Another edition of 99 Questions. This is, of course, an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people interesting questions. Uh, I am Bob Buell, and today I am joined by, uh, I, I, I don't want to throw this term out too quickly into the interview, but I dare say a legend uh, in, in the, the Simpsons world, a former showrunner for maybe their best two seasons, season seven and eight, uh, a writer of Absolutely classic episodes. Who shot Mr. Burns? Uh, Homer's enemy. Grandpa versus sexual inadequacy. Uh, it's it's Bill Oakley. Bill, how are you today? Hey, thank you for that glowing introduction, Bob. Um, I will take it. I, I will not. I will not disabuse you Ooh. of the notion that perhaps I'm a legend. Thank <laughs> you. I should also say that those things were done with Josh Weinstein, as everybody knows, probably um, my best friend, and we did all those things uh, together, or at least most of them. So uh, I appreciate that glowing introduction, and I'm glad to be here. Oh, it is uh, my pleasure as well, truly. Um, and I got so many questions for you. Some would say 99. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but before we dive in, uh, just a couple of terms and conditions, a couple ground rules up front, just a set of preface for what this is going to be. So uh, ground rule number one, take as much time or as little time as you need to answer the question. If a yes or no suffice, give me a yes or no. If a short story about your life helps us get a better understanding, I want to hear that story. Uh, grand rule number two. Uh, there's uh, nothing controversial in here. We're not out here to get you. I'm not looking for a TMZ article. Uh, but if you want to pass over any questions, uh, you don't feel like answering them. You can pass. No judgment. No worries. <laughs> okay. And uh, despite the name of the show being 99 questions, uh, there might be a couple follow-ups. There might be some off the cuff. Some of these, by the English language, are absolutely not questions. They're just prompts that I put a question mark at the end of. Let's not get too hung up on uh, those little details there. Uh, such as the first of those non-counting questions. Uh, Bill, are you ready? I'm ready. Love it. You got 98 left. Oh, no. I'm burning through them so quickly. Uh, well, the real number one. What's the perfect breakfast? The perfect breakfast is no breakfast at all. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) There. I said it. Now, (laughs) I don't like breakfast. I don't generally eat breakfast because what happens is it tends to make me tired right at the beginning Mm. of the day. And so I don't, I almost never eat it. However, in the condition on places and times when I do eat it, I like a breakfast burrito with a lot of stuff inside, green peppers and stuff like that. Or when I really don't care that I'm going to be tired would be pancakes with maple syrup oh. because I lo- I cannot stop eating them. I love them. But then for the rest of the day, for the next four or five hours, I'm on the couch going, oh. <laughs> Question number two. Who's the coolest dude? Uh, you know, the problem is I don't know how cool any of these people, you know, I could, I could talk about people who, who appear to be cool, like Christopher Walken, for example, yeah. Jack Nicholson, but I don't know what they're like in private. You know, um, honestly, if I had to, if I had to pick a fictional character like that, I would probably say Don Draper, despite his many uh, inner, mm. inner demons, I do find him to be a model of coolness, especially in the certain episodes that Madman fans would, I'm sure would know. Oh yeah. Just that suit alone. 
gives him at least a couple cool points. Yeah, absolutely. And his, you know, though, I think it's his level of confidence in almost every situation. I mean, that's how they write it. That's that's the thing. And it's like if you want to be cool, if you, if you're a writer, you think you want to act cool. You think how would they write? What would Don Draper say in this situation? Rather than using your own instincts, yeah. <laughs> you know. And that's a it's a good it's a good if, if you're a writer who can picture that kind of stuff in your head, it's a good methodology towards making yourself more cool. At this already tips for writers. Only two yeah. questions in. Unbelievable. Uh, question number three: steak, chicken, or fish? Steak. I mean, yeah, with certain with certain parameters within it. It's like, you know, if it's going to be, uh, if it's a ribeye or New York steak, great. If it's going to be sirloin, then I might opt for the chicken. If it's going to be baked chicken, I would opt for the fish as long as it's going to be fried. <laughs> you know, I'll have the fried chicken, the fried fish. Otherwise, I'm with the, I'm with the steak uh, with me in most cases. I love it. I love it. Uh, question four. Best gift you've ever gotten? Oh man, those—that's a tough one. There's so many. It was the neon sign that I have. I think that my wife gave me. That was uh, a long time ago. I have a neon sign that I love, which is actually in the shop right now. Uh, that is from the '80s, uh, and it has, it's for Cool Cigarettes, Cool Town. And it was—it's—it uh, used to hang in, in like you know convenience stores in New York City when I lived there. Um, and it's got kind of a New York skyline on it. It says Cool Town. Uh, and it's in the color of cool cigarettes, you know, which are, are green and yellow. And I absolutely love it. Unfortunately, because it's so old, it has burned out. And now it's been in the shop for oh. several months. But that is, that's one of my, you know, if I had to run out of the house and it was on fire uh, and I could only take two or three things, it would be that. That and maybe one, that and the Emmy that I actually deserve uh, <laughs> would be the one. That's a good one, too. I like uh, just running out of a burning building with the neon sign. Neon and sign Emmy. And Emmy. Yes, that would, that's me. <laughs> that's a great visual. Uh, question number five. Best gift you've ever given? Oh, you know, I think I suspect it's probably one that I gave Josh for his birthday back in the day. And mm. I would have to, it would take me a while to sort through them because um, we were, we gave some pretty good gifts to each other. Um, that one, you know, I honestly can't remember. I will, if I'll come back to that if we have extra time. Okay. It, it, it requires a deep dive into the memory banks. That but it would probably be something specific that he had, some weird eBay type thing from his collection. I think, in fact, I will say as a placeholder, Josh has a gigantic collection of old product packaging that, that goes all the way back to like the 1880s. It seems to go from about 1880 to about 1960. And I believe that I started him on that. In the, I believe I gave him his first things, which was a collection of stuff I bought at this old like prop house of like old Oxidol, you know, uh, boxes and stuff. And I think that would, I would say that probably would have been it. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you started this collection, yeah, that's got to qualify for something. I think that's it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, question six. What did you want to do for a living when you were a kid? I wanted to be a cartoonist. So I got, so I did a number of things related to that. That's kind of what happened as I transitioned. I did, I got, I started out being a cartoonist. Then I transitioned to writing. Then I kind of started working for animated things as well. And also drawing some stuff as as well. So I'm sort of still in a cartoonist adjacent field. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Uh, question seven. What's the largest animal you can beat in a fight? 
I don't know, man. It would probably just be a medium-sized dog. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, like uh, other animals that have like, it has to be pretty. <laughs> have to be a pretty half-ass dog. I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't be. I don't think I could beat a goat. You know, goats. I don't think I could beat um. They're wily. You know, maybe I could beat a sheep. A sheep, perhaps. There you go. Um, uh, I don't think I'd have much left against a kangaroo. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to have to just say kind of a medium-sized dog, perhaps. Okay. Perhaps if it weren't too vicious. <laughs> of course. I kind of like the sheep answer because the fluff is going to make it look like a heavyweight. You know what I mean? Even if it's kind of a middleweight at heart. I think it would probably just run away. I mean, that would be easy to beat. I don't I think a sheep is very combative. You win by count out still, you know, mm-hmm. take what you can get there. Uh, question eight. Who's someone you look up to? Well, I actually I really look up to Harvey Kurtzman. Harvey Kurtzman had, you know, who was the guy. Many people would know this. Some people will know this. He's the guy who invented Mad Magazine back when it was a comic book in the in the 1950s, and uh, then it, he tra- was instrumental in the transition of it to a magazine back in the 50s. How, and and he was a creative genius. Then, unfortunately, he had a lot of failed. This biography of Harvey Kurtzman is a little bit tragic in certain ways because he then left Mad to start an even more impressive magazine under the auspices of Hugh Hefner, and Hugh Hefner pulled the plug. After three episodes, three issues, mm-hmm. and then Kurtzman was left with with nothing. Uh, and then, like you know, Mad went on to great success without him, and so forth. But in any case, I admire his I, I, I admire his tenacity, and I certainly admire uh, all the things. I have a large collection of stuff that he did. Wow, very interesting. I, I'd never even heard the name. That's fascinating. Uh, question nine: First album you bought with your own money. This is a good question because I was thinking about this. I've actually been listening to on Spotify some of the albums that were the very first albums I own. However, the very first album I bought with my own money I, was Fantastic 22 by KTL. Um, it was came out in like 1974, and it was like a whole bunch of hits from 1974, many of which have completely vanished. Other ones are still around, like Crocodile Rock by Elton John. But I did once, um, I think I was on, back when we still all you were using Napster or whatever, I, I assembled a playlist of all those songs. Oh, and wow. it really takes me back. Yeah. And I think I still have that album because I, I got rid of most of other, my other records in the 90s, but I saved Fantastic 22, which is all scratched up and whatnot. But that's how I know what was on it. Oh, K-Tel, they've done it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, question 10. What's your go-to karaoke song? I sing mainly country songs in karaoke and Ooh. I can only sing kind of deep songs like Johnny Cash. Although like, I don't think about Johnny Cash is that I think his, his karaoke songs are overused. So I sing like um, other songs like uh, six days on the road by Dave Dudley. I sing um, hello walls by Farron young. They're all country songs from the sixties mainly. Um, so those are the ones I would say probably if I had to pick one go-to, it would probably be, um, uh, six days on the road, which is a trucker uh, from the trucker, you know, CB radio era. Excellent choice. Excellent. Uh, question 11. Last song that you listened to. I just listened on Spotify 10 minutes ago to head over head over heels by the go-go's. And this was all part of my eighties. Cause I was like, I was reminiscing about the songs that I listened to when I started really getting interested in like records in like eighth grade and three of the albums were i got the devo the, the are we not men 
Devo album. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Armed Forces by Elvis Costello. And one other one I don't remember. So I was listening to those songs on Spotify uh, while I was getting showered for this interview. <laughs> Everyone can tell that I'm showered. Uh, and, and then, uh, but then I started progressing on to, uh, I, I don't know, maybe reminisce about something else. So I played Head Over the Hills by the Go-Go's, which is another song from that, that era, uh, or slightly later, actually. But uh, I was kind of, I've kind of been doing it 1978 to 85 listening fest. Sounds like a good Saturday morning to me. Yeah. Uh, question 12. What's a band or musical artist you want to hear more from? I would say it'd probably be one of those ones from the late 60s, like the Association or the Guess Who, that did a lot of hits, but everyone has forgotten about. Like, uh, you know, the 90s equivalent would be those guys, uh, 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 Gin Blossoms, who also had like nine hits, and, and, but then they've all kind of vanished. But like the Association and the Guess Who, both I would, if I had to pick one, I guess it would be the Guess Who, which is a little bit more rocking. And like from those, I prefer, like there are groups that have like nine hits that are, everybody knows. Um, and then that I like, but I don't like, I never listen to them very much, but like, I don't have a lot. I don't have any extreme funds for any more recent bands, I guess, even though that band last <laughs> recorded when I was three years old. Uh, 13. The song that brings the most emotion out of you. Oh, I know what it is. It's another old country song because my mom used to play it uh, when I was a little kid it's for the good times. And I think it's by Ray, Ray Price. I, or I can't remember. Or Charlie Pride or one of those guys. I get their names all mixed up. But it's for the good times. Anybody who wants to hear kind of an emotional 60s country. A lot of this is going to be a lot of the 60s country answers in this <laughs> thing. But but that's uh, that one is really good. Um, and it's, it's kind of sad. Melancholy uh, brings back memories. Hmm. I like that. Uh, question 14. What's your favorite music video? God damn. That's a good question. You know, it's easy to default to the famous ones like Take On Me or, or uh, Money for Nothing. Yeah. We know with that computer animation. I really like parts of Big Time, that one with the. Uh, Peter Gabriel with that with the electric train going around his head. Remember that one? Oh yeah. Um, there and also like our house by Madness was an excellent one. Um, these are all '80s ones, of course. The golden era of the of the music video. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to just pick uh, one of those because there's. I know that there's probably a deeper dive of one I'm forgetting at the moment, but I'm going to have to say that it would be. Uh, our house by madness oh wait then also let me say one more one more okay now this one i mean this is also the most famous the other most famous one is weapon of choice by fat boy slim that one with uh Christopher with Christopher Walken. Walken flying around i just watched that like like last week and marveled at it so like i don't know if i had like that one i i marvel at as well so maybe that one would probably be better than the madness one is pretty is nothing special yeah that christopher walken one like truly if you've ever hit an elevator button you do it in the style of christopher walken if you're in an empty hotel it's like that video just uh, amazing uh, it is it is and this, all the parts with him also the parts with him sitting there in the lobby with the vacuum going in the background yeah. very evocative of that kind of thing so good uh question 15 you got a million dollars but you have to donate it all to charity what charity is it going to it's going to my children's college fund. 
Mm. I don't know if that's a charity. <laughs> like that's a charity, but that's the that's the immediate need uh, for the, the for the donation. So uh, uh, if it was other some other charity, it probably be a, a local one that deals with you know the it probably be a local one here in Portland that deals with you know homeless issues and things like that because I think that kind of needs some help. Mm, that'd be great. Uh, Sixteen favorite holiday. July Fourth. Ooh, great! People answer. almost never say that, but like, I love summertime. July Fourth, I love all that stuff. I am one of the. I love fireworks. I don't like all this anti-fireworks sentiment that <laughs> that we've been having over the past couple of years. It's, it's become fireworks. There's a lot of anti-fireworks sentiment. If you don't know, like people really don't like them because they make dogs upset, and yeah. that, like, and or they cause fires or whatever. But I had so much fun shooting off bottle rockets and crap like that as a kid. And I still would love to do it if you could get them anywhere. Um, So like that, and I love the barbecue and I love the drinking of the beer and I love the hot weather. And, you know, I guess I, and the, I guess the patriotism, the somewhat patriotic aspect of it too, I'm fine with. Um, So that's, uh, that is by far my favorite holiday. I think I agree with you. I think through, through a bevy of these episodes, you know, it's, it's always Halloween, Christmas, Halloween, Christmas. But 4th of July, there is something special just about fireworks, barbecue, and that's it. You know, you don't have to make a five-course dinner. You're not uh, slaving you over a stove. You don't have to buy gifts for people and wrap yeah. them. You know, it's it's every man for himself. It's <laughs> 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 a, good, a good holiday. I love it. Uh, question 17. What's your go-to drink when you walk into a coffee shop? Iced tea. I never, I almost never hmm. drink coffee. Uh, and I all, anytime I go to Starbucks or whatnot, I get an iced tea, uh, because I don't, I, I like coffee a little bit, but it generally makes me too tightly wound up. And, uh, I don't like, like the flavor so much that I want to have it and get wound up. So I have iced tea generally if I'm have to go to some place like that. I hear you. Uh, question 18. Now this is maybe our most controversial. Spell the word gray. That's a good question, man. <laughs> I think I'm going to see G-R-A-Y. Going A-Y. Okay. Striking a blow to all those Team E-Ys out there. I, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I know. That's weird, though. That, I feel like that's a British British way of spelling it. But I could be wrong. I, You know, I, I've heard a lot of different answers on this show. I think some say American-European. Some say one is more the color and one is more like the feeling, which I kind of like the, the oh, vibe interesting. of. You know, like... A, a gray day versus like a, you know, a gray crayon, for example. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but, hey, I, I'll, A-Y, A-Y it is. Uh, 19, what's your prized possession? It's probably going to be the one Emmy that I deserve. You know, that's, as I said, but I'm, I'm running out the door with that in my neon sign when the place catches on fire. Um, and when I say I deserve, it's like a lot of people, I, I, I'm sure people know this, when a TV show gets an Emmy, Everybody who's a producer gets an Emmy. And a lot of times the people who get it weren't even there. Like, don't, mm. like, they don't know, they don't even, they don't even see the episode that won the Emmy. <laughs> um, in the case of, there's two, I have three Emmys and two of them were barely deserved. Uh, one was intensely deserved, and that's my most viable discussion. That's the one for Homer's phobia with John Waters. Oh, classic. Zap. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, question 20. Are you competitive? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is I, many of my 
most successful enterprises of my lifetime have been uh, because of a competitive situation or desire for revenge, uh, you know, against people. Uh, so like, and that, like, that's a really good fuel for me. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, 21. Do you consider golf a sport? No. That is correct. It's a game, not a sport. Thank you, Bill. Someone gets it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Uh, 22. I'm going to send this clip around to all my golf friends. Uh, 22. Have you ever played any sports? Yes, not that much, though. I mean, I played, if we had mandatory sports in my school, so, like, I played lacrosse, I played tennis. Um, I never played, the only team I was ever on was lacrosse for a while. Um, and uh, 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 and then I play, you know, once in a while there's something, like, there's a, a, you know, softball game or whatever. But, like, I don't, like, I don't play any, like, do I? No, I don't think, I, I would like to. I would actually like to do it more. But I haven't, but uh, I, ha I have not done very much. Uh, 23, favorite sport to watch? Football, Baltimore Ravens football. Mm. I only watch football and I only watch the Ravens because I'm from Maryland and uh, I'm a big fan of them. So, but that's the one, literally, that's the one thing I, I do watch. Once in a while, I watch other football games like the Super Bowl, of course, or I watch the seventh game of the World Series or something of that nature. Yeah. Or the or NBA finals or anywhere if the Portland Trailblazers get anywhere near the finals, I'll watch that. But generally, the only sport I make sure to watch is Baltimore Ravens football. Dig it. Uh, twenty four theme parks. I love theme parks. Was that the question? I love them. It's the word theme I wish there... parks and question mark. So yeah, <laughs> I love them. I wish there were more. The nearest one from here is Silverwood in Idaho, which is about a six-hour drive, oh. which is actually quite good. You know, it's not it's not like a it's not a miniature theme park. It's as easily as good as you know, Magic Mountain or, or Knott's Berry Farm in LA. Not quite Magic Mountain level, but uh, it's very little known outside the Pacific Northwest. Anyway, Silverwood. I love theme parks. I could spend all the time. I used to have a season pass to Disneyland when I lived in LA. Um, I, I could, yes, strongly enthusiastic about theme parks. I don't like the crowds, but who does? Yeah. The necessary evil, I suppose. Uh, question 25, dubbed the Ron Bennington after famous radio personality. You're standing in a wrestling ring and a wave of nine-year-olds, a random mix of boys and girls are coming down to the ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds could you beat in this fight? I feel like I would be canceled or get in trouble for <laughs> fighting the nine-year-olds. Like I'd rather just run away, mm -hmm. and so I not ha don't have to face all the opprobrium of people for beating up nine-year-olds. But I think I could take on five. Hmm. Very specific number. Okay, I believe in you. And once I get my international waters <laughs> permit, we're we're doing this whole thing. Okay. Uh, twenty-six. What's a game you know you can win? Uh, trivial Pursuit, or almost any game like that, that is like a trivia type game. Any specific category that you, you, you feel like you excel at? History, American history, entertainment, um, things like that. Yeah, I'm usually, I, it, it depends on the competition, obviously, but I usually win those. And they, they, they've gone out of vogue. I don't, there aren't quite as many games 
you know, Trivial Pursuit was huge like 20 years ago, and now it's not quite so huge. But there are other games in that vein that I think I can win. Um, there's no other game. Oh, I can, well, again, it depends on the competition. I could also generally win Taboo, which is that one that's kind of like mm. Password, where you have to say, you can't, you have to get people, to, you have to get your partner to say the word without actually saying the word, you know, by giving them hints. Yeah. I can usually do very well at that, depending on the competition. I hear you. Uh, 27. What topic can you discuss the most? This whole band magazine comic, you know, the, the comic book, the Senate hearings about comic books in the 50s. Yeah. I wrote my thesis about that. The whole, like, comic book scene of the early 50s uh, and the legislation that brought about the comic book code and the early history of Mad Magazine, too. Uh, I, you know, Mad Magazine 1952 to 1970, I can do pretty good. I could talk for a couple several hours on it off the cuff. Wow. That does, again, it sounds like a genuinely fascinating little snippet of Mad Magazine that somehow just completely avoided my my sight. That's... Yeah. Also, Watergate. I'm a Watergate buff. Ooh. That's a fun one. Uh, 28. Favorite place you visited? You know, I feel like everybody would say this, but it was probably New Orleans. I don't like have mm. like it's probably it's a corny answer to this, but like that's where New Orleans is, is what it is. It's a great place to visit. So uh, that would, yeah, I'm gonna have to stick with that. Big easy, it's as they be, say. It's supposed to be gorgeous, New Orleans. Uh, twenty nine. What's your catchphrase? That's really more of a weekend thing, Ray. <laughs> the Simpsons line, as you know, for the George Bush said probably. But that's I use it very frequently uh, <laughs> around the house and things like that. It just it speaks to a certain type of mindset and personality that I find amusing. It's brilliant. Uh, question thirty: What's the best costume or cosplay you ever wore? Honestly, I'm really proud of my guy Fieri costume. Uh, I have I went as I went for him as Halloween a couple times. I made a couple videos doing an impersonation of him and and i recently put on twitter that character me doing the guy fieri character appears on my video for my new project which is the steamed ham society i made a funny video for that and uh, and the guy my guy fieri appears in that amazing 31 have you ever had anything named after you well i think that the steamed ham sandwich it's the bill oakley steamed bill oakley's steamed ham sandwich the sandwich that i kind of invented it's, you know, it's kind of basic. What sandwich that I make, that I, I invented somewhat, is it's just basically sort of an Americanized Cuban sandwich with ham and cheese uh, and pickles and Duke's mayonnaise and Coleman's mustard. The secret is Coleman's mustard, which is this British kind of spicy mustard. Um, and Got them right for, here. <laughs> oh, and it's so good. It's the best. So I only discovered it a few years ago. Anyway, yeah. so I make the sandwich. And by the way, anybody who wants the recipe can just send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send it to you. Uh, they, they they started selling the sandwich at a local place, local food cart in Portland called the JoJo, which is one of the best places in town. Every summer uh, for one day sells the Bill Oakley steamed ham sandwich. Whoa. So, uh, And they actually steam the ham to make it authentic. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's I think that's probably it. Yes. Interesting. I like the idea that they took the steamed ham and made it an actual steamed ham, not just a hamburger, which I think was... Yeah, no, it's the sandwich that I... It's that sandwich that I invented, which is ham and cheese, but uh, they literally steam the ham 
so that you get it. It's more authentic than I find that to be the thing. Is that steamed ham is a euphemism for a hamburger, yeah. but in this case, the sandwich is more. The sandwich actually does involve literally involve steaming ham, which I think is far more faithful to the <laughs> concept. No, that uh, and I love the gimmick that you can only get it once a year. That's so yeah. smart. It's a lore around it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thirty-two hobby you've dedicated the most time to. Does eating count? I think it's eating. <laughs> eating, seeking out new new food items, which has become not only kind of it began as a hobby. Now it's almost a second career. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, I don't know if that counts really, honestly. Other than that, it would probably be, uh, I don't know. Doesn't the hobby going to the beach doesn't count as a hobby either. I don't, I feel like I have, uh, or playing video games doesn't really count. Um, oh, man, that's a tough one. I, I don't know. I, it probably ha- it has to have something to do with the food thing or reading about Watergate maybe, or um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have a good answer to that question other than, other than, being yeah, seeking out new food items to try. I say it counts. Okay, good. We'll check with the judges before it makes the final post, <laughs> but, you know, I think so. Uh, 33. Who's a celebrity you've had a crush on? Um. Well, this is going to seem real old to people who, anybody, because he's 70 now, but Bernadette Peters, if any, if you remember Bernadette oh, Peters in yes. the 70s, I definitely had a crush on her when I was young. And um, I, uh, she still, I think she still has held up quite well, but I haven't, she's not making as many appearances as she did when I was a teenager. Yeah, probably not so many. <laughs> uh, 34, what's the strangest job you ever had? I worked at America's Most Wanted. And uh, remember Ooh. when America's Most Wanted was a big deal, like in 1989, it was one of my first jobs out of college. And it was super interesting because it was, I, I was living in Washington, D.C., which is where I grew up. And I went back there, and I was trying to get a job in TV. And the, most of the shows that are made in D.C. are news programs, like Meet the Press. And the only entertainment programming that was made in D.C. was America's Most Wanted, which was broadcast live from our Fox affiliate. Back then. Broadcast literally broadcast live, um, wow. which is a rare thing. So I worked there for about a year, uh, and I did publicity and promotion for the show and like I wrote the listings that would be a TV guide and things like that. And I also felt with all the cops who would come from around the country to be on the set during the thing to receive the tips that were phoned in. Um, hmm. And it was very exciting. There was definitely a, a very dramatic, it was a very dramatic environment because sometimes the tips would literally come in a couple times. The person was arrested before the show even ended. Um, it was a very, it was a remarkable occurrence. And we caught, I, I don't know. I don't know how many people, were caught during the time that I was there, a couple hundred. But the show itself, it was a very fun environment. Also, the electricity of a live broadcast was very exciting. Um, I got to be on the set regularly and stuff. It was a fun, it was a really good job. And it was unusual. And I mean, it, it yeah. definitely qualifies as an unusual job. Yeah, that is incredibly cool. Uh, 35, book you'd recommend the world to read? I would say this is, you know, this is a good book. I hope that people follow, follow up on this. I feel like the most enjoyable and best book I ever read that was not, that you wouldn't already know. Like I like Lolita by Nabokov is obviously a great book. The book that I, that was probably the book of, of a high-end book that I read. That everybody knows that's great. Was this book called Diary of a Sword Swallower, which was about, it's a diary, a guy, a very smart guy who worked as a, like a carnival freak 
uh, in the 30s and 40s. And it's very moving. And it's, it's a very, not only is it moving, it's also just like, got a lot of really interesting detail about like, the lives of the people and like also like how you swallow, how you eat broken light bulbs and things like that, like <laughs> how and, and, and other sideshow things that people did. And it's like, it's, it's not like funny, but it's very, very interesting. And I would say of all the books I've read in the past 30 years, that one has stuck with me more than any other book. Wow. What's the name of it one more time? Diary, Diary of, of a Sword Swallower. Wow. That sounds fascinating. Uh, 36. A movie that always makes you laugh. Uh, nobody's going to be surprised by any of these. Caddyshack, Animal House, Austin Powers. Classic. And Jackass. Jack, oh. all, Jackass 1 and the new Jackass also made me laugh like crazy. Yeah. I just watched it the other day, actually, the newest one. So funny. God damn. All I can think about is that is the horrible testicle torture that that guy <laughs> endured. And especially the part <laughs> where the pogo stick kind of cut up oh my and Lance God. Bang started to barf for the yeah. second time into the masks yeah oh yeah that and the the ping pong paddle uh deal that they set oh, up Jesus. with the vice grips like it really surprises me how much you can get away with with a, how many naked penises you can show and still have an r rating yeah <laughs> i thought the exact same thing i was like this is still an r still yeah. an r we're, we're yeah. just rolling forward with this like wow it was uh no it was it was hilarious uh 37 what's the worst movie you ever seen the thing about it this is that's a hard to say because generally i stopped watching the movie before like i, I there's several movies from the 90s or whatever that i walked out of because they were so boring um and i can't remember them because i didn't even like they barely registered <laughs> so like the worst i can't remember like i don't remember any movies that were actively bad because i didn't see them or i stopped watching them i'm i don't know if i have an answer to this question unfortunately no that's fair i know there are lots of them <laughs> a rabble of 90s theaters movies yeah yeah uh let's see 38 who's your favorite actor or actress it's probably mark ruffalo i mean like i like Ooh. i like mark ruffalo a lot and the stuff that he does i also like john ham but honestly, like I don't, I feel like I like Don Draper. We've been over this more than John Hamm. I don't like. I feel like John. I don't like John Hamm doing comedies, and he's in a lot of comedies. I'm sure he gets a huge kick out of them. But yeah. I prefer him in dramatic roles. Um, uh, 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 what else? Um, you know, I think of contemporary actors or people that I enjoy watching. I like. It's going to be Mark Ruffalo, definitely. That's a great one. Yeah. Kind of underrated in a in a way. Like I know he's in a lot. He gets a lot of work, but uh, yeah. he's only no people know him as the Incredible Hulk now. And so, like, yeah, he's mm. definitely got. He's got to get. Um, he's got to get. Also, I love that guy, whose name escapes me at the moment. The guy, he, the guy's a lot who appears in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. Uh, who was the third guy in Our Brother Where Art Thou? And he was the star of that of that thing they did for Netflix, the Western thing. Not Buscemi, anyway. no. Uh, no, that other guy. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> someone people know who I mean. That other fellow, yeah, they, they know. <laughs> well, you guys can look it up if you can. <laughs> yeah, this is a fun homework assignment for the listener. You, you'll you find it, you'll find it. Uh, 39. How cool was it in Jurassic Park when the raptors were running through the kitchen? It was, it was moderately cool. <laughs> moderately I don't, cool? I'm not a huge jurassic park lover i mean like i liked it 
when I saw it the first time in the theater. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't, I like, I don't, I didn't really like any of the sequels. I don't, yeah. find, I don't, I didn't find it that exciting to begin. Like, I think it, I think you had to be a certain, I think you had to be kind of young. If you saw Jurassic Park when you were nine, you probably like think it's the coolest thing in the world. But I saw it when I was like 30 and I was like, yeah, well, it's, it was entertaining for one evening, but it wasn't like something that I obsess upon. I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, question 40. First show as a kid you got really into. Well, it was probably I Love Lucy. I mean, like my favorite Ooh. show as a kid that I got really, really into was Green Acres, which is probably going to be a subject of another question when you ask about my favorite shows or whatever. Green Acres is my favorite show. However, I Love Lucy was on all the time in reruns. You know, and this was back when you only had three TV channels to choose from. And so it would be on and it would be the funniest, the most entertaining thing to watch um, at a certain time of day. So I definitely saw every single one of them four or five times. Um, And I think it was, uh, you know, I definitely didn't want to miss it. Gotcha. 41. Who should play you in a movie of your life? You know, people keep saying I don't agree with this. But people have repeatedly told me that that guy who plays Lord Grantham on Downton Abbey looks just like me, the main guy. Okay. <laughs> so maybe him, <laughs> uh, maybe him. Like he, he looks about me. He's, I don't necessarily see the resemblance, but a lot of more than any other actor ever, people have oh. said that guy looks just like you. Q something is his name. Just off my my memory banks, I don't especially see it, but hey. If the guy's a good enough actor, maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seems like he's doing all right. Uh, 42. Who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met in person? I mean, I met, we met us a lot of celebrities in at The Simpsons. Johnny Cash. I mean, like, like I, 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 it's hard to sort out, like, ones that I met by accident, ones that I met through work. Like, I don't know. Like, okay, I met Jimmy Carter one time when we were it was on a tour of emory university big. uh and and shook his hand so like i met him briefly um i worked with johnny cash i directed him when we as the coyote as, yeah um donald sutherland all those people i mean simpsons cast i maybe i shouldn't be talking about simpsons ones because they're also obvious um you know johnny carson i was one of 20 writers who came in to see him oh, perform that huge. time yeah. Um, John Waters, all those guys, but like the biggest celebrities that are known around the world. I mean, I met Tom Hanks briefly because we were doing a project with his company, and he came into the office um, briefly, and we said hi. Um, worked with Danny DeVito briefly. Mm. Um, like, I feel like I, you know, I met a fair number of these people. Not this is Dustin Hoffman. We met in a, I was in a car dealership, and he was admiring my baby. <laughs> that kind of thing, maybe that. So that's that kind of that's kind of it, I guess. Oh, yeah, run the gamut of of uh, a lot of big celebrities there, though. Um, forty three, TV show or podcast that you love, but you don't think anyone else knows about. Twenty thousand hertz. Well, actually, like first, oh, there's two things. Podcast. Okay, Mike Reese, who is a guy that was my boss on The Simpsons back in the day, one of the funniest comedy writers of all time has a podcast called what am i doing here which Mm. has been which is about his travels around the world he's done a lot of traveling and the episodes are like about 15 minutes long and they're hysterically funny that one but i already i've been promoting that a lot on my twitter and and people who are in this universe probably already know about it 
people who are not in this universe, of people that I don't know personally, the only podcast I listen to with any regularity is 20,000 Hertz, which I think is really super cool. And it's all about sounds, you know, about like the sounds of the voice. The, what's the voice in the, um, in the subway? Where did that come from? Or how did the music, how did the guy write the music for the prices right? Or how do they make the robot sound? Where did that sound for uh, the Netflix boom come from? Mm -hmm. Very, it's very interesting, and it's honestly the I've listened to other than my recent podcast. It's the only one I listen to with any regularity. Uh, I not only am familiar with the show, I love the show, and I've had uh, the host Dallas Taylor. That's right. On, That's right. He's been on, on this show, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he is a, a fascinating guy who is a, a great, a great episode. Um. Yeah. That, how did no one else think to do some sort of dive on that Netflix? Boom, boom. Like it's one of the most iconic sounds of the last like ten years. And how were how are they the first to think of it? They wanted the one that they did an episode about the HBO sound as well mm. is also is also really cool. Um. Like they do the the journalism on that show is extremely impressive. I I can't recommend it highly highly enough. Forty four favorite comedian it's so hard to choose i mean like steve martin probably or Richard, i mean i both i had i would say as a kid i had steve martin's and every album steve martin did i think i had almost every album that richard Pryor did and listened to them both over and over and over and over again so it would have to be like a tie between those guys again. amazing uh 45 best saturday night live cast member phil hartman great answer end of yeah. story <laughs> yeah just one of the most versatile people they've ever ever had like yeah. oh yeah uh 46 what's the nerdiest thing you've done well okay so hit so like ner nerdiness is not just confined to the sciences there's history nerds i consider myself a history nerd okay and like i have as i said i have i'm watergate buff so both Josh and I have collected Watergate stuff, and I have been so interested in Watergate. The thing I did was I drove to this. They started opening the documents, the Watergate documents, to the public, and I drove. This I think it was about twenty-five years old. I drove to this archive, this outpost at the National Archives, which was like a giant series of trailers or warehouses mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere in Maryland, to go paw through Watergate documents. Include, and, my, and the favorite thing was just a whole bunch of legal pads. There's a whole bunch of legal pads with notes taken by John R. Luckman, which you could just you open the box and you can start leafing through them and stuff. And so oh. that was probably it. And um, it was extremely fun as a Watergate buff to watch. You know, I, I went through a lot of different documents, notes taken, mainly just notes taken on like legal pads by H.R. Haldeman and Bob Ehrlichman. That's so wild that they would just let that kind of open to to anyone's hands like that oh well you can't i mean you gotta like you can't take any pens in you have to wear like gloves it's like it's a it's a very oh, okay. it's like a national archives type of place oh i see i was just picturing like hey everyone just dig your hands in <laughs> no it's real they're they're very serious about the library uh, you know you got you can't touch you, you have to you can't bring stuff in it's like a, it's like, like it's an archival situation i see okay that probably makes a lot more sense for the importance of those documents, yeah. Um, question 47. Least favorite state? <laughs> this is going to make somebody mad. Let me think. <laughs> God, boy, there's a couple of candidates. You know, again, it's not worst state. Just least favorite, you know? It's... 
Okay. It's Colorado. I'm not going to go into a lot of details. I've never had, I've never had that good a time in Colorado. I don't get the appeal of Colorado. I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I don't want to, I don't want to make myself, I don't, I don't want to cancel for this opinion, but I don't enjoy what they have to offer in Colorado. Thank you. <laughs> sorry. I think that's fair. Hey, question 48. Best thing you've ever won. Well, the Emmy, the aforementioned Emmy probably, but of course. Uh, I want to see if I can think of something else besides that. I haven't really won that many things. I feel like I should have won more things in terms of like lottery tickets or, mm. you know, sweepstakes or things. Um, God, I'm just going to have to stick with the Emmy because honestly, I have not won anything. I mean, oh, a P- we won, you know, Peabody Award, all that other stuff. But like those awards don't. The problem with awards is like you win the award, you put it on the shelf and you don't get like I would like to win a cruise. Honestly, I would like to win <laughs> a, a, I would like somebody to send me on a free cruise. Like that, you win these Writers Guild awards or whatever, and you get a commemorative statue or plaque, and then you're just back to your regular life ten minutes later. Yeah. You know, and, and whereas a cruise would be exciting, but I have never won a cruise. <sighs> Tomorrow's another day. Uh-huh. Uh, forty nine. Is there anything you've collected or had a collection of? Yes, wacky packages. I uh, I don't. Hmm. People may not know wacky packages um, if you are not of a certain age. But between like 1972 and 1979, they were the biggest things for kids, and they have since then reissued many times. Uh, they're funny stickers that are like parodies of products, right? And they like they were the the biggest thing in second, third, fourth grade. Like people would just collect them, and and so I have a, I have sought it. Josh was actually interested in them too. I have a collect, I have virtually every single one I have amassed over the years, from series one to series sixteen, and that's I would say that's probably the only thing I have a, a substantial collection of. Wow, very interesting. I, yeah, I've never heard of this, but they've been cool. reissued. Many times. They still have them right now, I and mean, they have like uh, there's a number. If you go to Target or places like that, they're in this section with the baseball cards, um, oh. and they they have various new versions of them coming out. Like they have now have little pro- fake little fake products that are like little plastic you know, uh, funny, you know, laundry detergent boxes or whatever. Anyway, it's a funny thing. And it definitely was a, a formative experience for me. Those and Mad Magazine were both things that I was really into in like first grade. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. Question 50, dubbed the Ryan Davis and the last of the fighting questions, I swear. You're in a fight to the death <laughs> with another person equal to your size. You're offered. Either an aluminum baseball bat or a six-inch non-serrated knife, knowing the weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent. So which do you choose, knife or bat? Not, you said non-serrated, but is it sharp? Yes. Almost, almost uh, butcher knife-esque, kind of. Okay, I think I'm still going to choose the baseball bat because, guys, people of my size do not tend to be fast-moving. So my hope would be that I could knock the knock, you know, break the guy's fingers or knock him out with the baseball bat before he had the chance to stand. I think that's a sound strategy. Thank you. <laughs> Don't you worry your steamed hams off. We have plenty more episodes still to come with the great Bill Oakley coming up in just a second. But we got to pay some bills. We got to shout out the folks who do the wonderful music for this show like the song you're hearing now 
from the mini vandals or the song he's going to play after the break, from DJ Williams or even the opener, from Diala or the closing song, from Single Friend. And, uh, hey, while I got you here, maybe you want to, uh, rate us five stars if you like what you hear. Just tell a friend. Send a tweet. Just say, hey, check this thing out. This is... This is alright. I'll take what I can get. Uh, there are still too many good questions yet to ask. Let's get into the meat of it with the second half of the episode. We got one more thing before we get back to the show. Something brand new, something I'm very excited about. It's the 99 Questions Hotline? Hotline. Sure, that's what we're going to go with. I created a phone number for you to call. You can leave me a voicemail. If you have questions for me, if you have questions about the show, if you have questions for future guests, you can call in, leave a voicemail, and your voice might be the one actually asking the question live on the show. Well, not live. It's pre-recorded. But you know what I mean. I got the number right here. 732-592-9838. That spells out real wax vet that's right real wax vet like a veterinarian who's really made of wax i don't know all the good numbers are taken so this is the closest one i could get real wax vet one more time that's 732-592-9838 give it a call leave a message have a great day So, Bill, uh, obviously I think people know you from uh, your work at The Simpsons, uh, as mentioned, uh, during some of their best seasons. Uh, I'll, I'll jump out there and say, uh, along with uh, writing and producing work across a, a ton of other shows, uh, modern and, and, you know, in the past, um, you're also really uh, seem to be finding a niche in the, uh, I, I don't want to say sp- exclusively fast food world but <laughs> in in a food exploration world with uh, as as you mentioned the steam tam society um but if i could kind of ask you one question off the book i think uh, a lot of people growing up the simpsons kind of was a very early comedic voice that mm-hmm. you know they took from that show and so what i want to know is what inspired you and your comedic voice going into that show? Because obviously, you know, it, it's it's kind of uh, ripple affected and you can feel that, that style of humor in a lot of shows out today. But like, where did you come to the table? Where did you get those comedy inspirations from? From, uh, well, for, first of all, Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine was everybody, like, it's very hard to explain to people how little entertainment there was <laughs> compared to how much there is today. Like I'm talking about, imagine, imagine when you only had three TV channels or four or five, if you live in a big city, there was no ability to record anything. You'd either watch what was on yeah, or you could go to the movie and you, and, and, 
that was it. And, you know, and then eventually in the 80s, you got VHS tapes, right? And things like that. But there was no internet. And thus, like, there wasn't that much to do. Like, for kids, especially for kids, like, people didn't really give a shit about kids. I, I have to say, like, there was no Nickelodeon, you know? There was no, like, you have, they rerun old shows, old cartoons, uh, like, you know, Looney Tunes in the afternoon. But also kids, people didn't care about, like, kids could go out and just play all day. Like, a five-year-old could go out on his bicycle and return it at, at, at dusk, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's like, people weren't worried about kids. They didn't care about kids. And so there wasn't entertainment for kids per se. That's why Mad Magazine was so unique. Mad, mm-hmm. what, and Mad also really wasn't written for kids either. It was, you know, they had parodies of A Clockwork Orange, things like that in it. Like, it wasn't written for kids, but kids loved it. And so for pretty much everybody who grew up, between the 50s and the 70s that was your bible and it only came out once every you know eight times a year so we, then you had to you know if you were desperate you'd go buy a copy of crack if you could find it or something <laughs> to fill in the gaps and then like starting so 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 mad obviously everybody it's the same thing all grew up reading mad it was your bible then also for me personally um because the other guys at simpsons were older um, I would say Saturday Night Live, early years of Saturday Night Live, mm. National Lampoon Magazine, and there's a lot of crossover between those two. Yeah, uh, and David Letter, nineteen eighties David Letterman, all very inspirational to me, and also you know made me want to get, made me want to get out and be you know be in happening places like New York and L.A. and things like that. And so those those are probably the four. Mad Magazine being number one by far, early SNL, early Letterman. The National Lampoon magazine are all of those. They're all instrumental in that in composing that. And I'd say that probably holds true for many of the people who wrote for The Simpsons. Wow. Yeah. I, I can honestly see it. Like as you're mentioning these, I can I can even think of specific jokes and specific bits that are just like, Yeah, no, that's that's kind of paced out like those like those comedy bits. I, I, I heard a critique of well, a critique, you know, an analysis of those Simpsons seasons and Somebody described it as having the pace of a old school uh, comic book strip, like not a comic book, but a comic strip from the newspaper. And it's like, yeah, it kind of does. Like the the way the punchlines are set up in some ways, some of them at least. And yeah. yeah also, I, I, I should say it's not. It, 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 I didn't create the Simpsons at all. We just of course, came in of course. by hired hands. But I would say Sam, who hired Sam Simon, who composed the original staff, was very cognizant of having people who came from late night. Like the, they were not people. This is one of the things that I think is is critical in understanding the Simpsons. Sitcoms before the Simpsons, ninety nine percent of them were pretty bland, mm. um, and they didn't have. And so when Sam was composing the staff, I don't know that there was anybody besides him who had ever worked on a regular show. Like George Meyer, Schwarzwelder, John Vitti, all these people came from Saturday Night Live or from Letterman, and they didn't like. There's a couple people I'm sure who worked on other sitcoms. No, Mike Canal who worked on Alf, I think, or something. But they also had come from Carson, um, and so like the sensibility that 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 The Simpsons presented to America in 1989 when it came on was not a type of humor that you would see on prime time. And that's what Fox Fox was a brand new network, so they wanted it to be outrageous. They wanted to have a, a certain vibe that you didn't see on regular primetime television. It's very hard to remember that now because so much of television is you know whatever it's, it's gotten keep getting south park family guy there's a whole stuff that all that stuff that kind of stuff didn't exist prior yeah. to 1990 so so a late night sensibility what i mean is the sensibility that you'd see on snl the kind of jokes you'd see on snl or letterman that was brought to tv on the simpsons 
at primarily by the architecture of, of Sam Simon's staff. Huh. Fascinating. Fascinating. I, I could uh I could talk to you all day about this, but we got so many more questions. Let's Okay. <laughs> let's run through some of these. Uh fifty one. What's your phone wallpaper right now? Uh, it's a photo of the beach that I love to go to in Portland. We have several beaches Ooh. on the Columbia River, and reminding me that it won't be hopefully won't be too long until it's warm enough to go again. Yeah, oh, that's that's my time to shine. A little beach, a little fishing. Yeah, fifty-two. What's the last thing you Googled? Question not sponsored by Google. I'm gonna have to look it up. Ooh. Let me take a look. Am I? Browser history here. And, uh, oh, it was what, what, what was located at eight fifteen Southwest Broadway in Portland. Um, that's what it was. Because I was looking, I found this thing online. There's a menu for this restaurant that seems to mainly sell ham back in the fifties. And I was like, "What's there now?" And it's a fancy men's clothing store. Um, but Ooh. that's what it, that's what it was. Very interesting. Uh, Fifty three. You have to name your next pet without seeing them. What do you name them? George. I think George is a good name for most most pets. It's <laughs> not too crazy. I don't like to have I don't like crazy pet names that make the, that embarrass the pet. You know, <laughs> I like regular yeah. names like that kind of thing. So I'm going to have to say George. It's not going to blow anybody's mind, but um, it'd be a nice, reasonable name for the pet. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to have like a Princess Moonbeam or something like no, that. No, no, Princess Fluffy Butter Buttons. No, 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 no. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, 54, what professional wrestler would you compare yourself to? <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to say George the Animal Steel. Ooh, <laughs> excellent. Know, he's Paul. certainly my yeah. favorite one. And he, uh, I don't think he has a lot of similarities to me, but I admire <laughs> his tenacity um, and his style. <laughs> yeah. That green tongue. I mean, devastating. Come on. <laughs> 55 what's your comfort food on a bad day huh you know i eat the comfort food all days on the good days i eat comfort food all all every day all day long that's <laughs> my kind of my new hobby so i i don't like i don't go when when i have a bad day i don't particularly resort to anything that i'm not already eating mm. i guess i would say uh maybe i have more beers um but in general i also have beers on the days that are good so i don't have I can't, I don't have a good answer to that question. I don't seek out anything in particular. I do eat a lot of pizza and I have a lot of, uh, but that's, that's the norm for me to be eating pizza. So I don't have a good answer to this question. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. Totally fine. Well, I'll pivot it then. What kind of beer are you having? I usually have Budweiser. I don't like, I don't like bitter sour beers. And I know that this is not like Portland is the, is the cap. Capital oh yeah, and stuff like that. And then we have so many delicious beers here. I prefer Pilsners. When I'm uh, my favorite beer is uh, Freem, which is a local brewery up here makes a Pilsner, but it's mm. really expensive. <laughs> and uh, also Caladad, which comes from California, which we can't get here, but sometimes people send it to me. Those are my favorite beers. But generally, I will just drink Budweiser or or Pabst Blue Ribbon because mm. they're they're just about the thickness of. Of and flavor of beer that I like, and they're generally pretty cheap. And Rainier, I love it. Fifty-six favorite smell. Mm, that's a good question. I'm going to say almond, almond uh, flavoring. 
like, and I, this is the thing, and it's only, and I only recently discovered it, but I find it intoxicating. There's Dr. Bronner's soaps. You know, you know, Dr. Bronner's soaps, what has, has all that text all over them. It looks crazy. Yeah. But um, they have an almond soap that smells so good that um, made me, I actually went out and I really wanted to eat it. <laughs> but so but I didn't want to eat the soap. So I went out, I made, I made almond cook, like the kind of cookies you get at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. I went out and found a recipe for almond cookies and the smell of the, of those cookies baking in the house was the, mm. probably the best smell I have smelled in, in years. There's nothing more than the, all the intoxicating scent of almonds is, I know it's all cyanide. It smells like almonds too. So if that's be, before warned, <laughs> if you smell <laughs> almonds, it could be cyanide, <laughs> but that was a, um, Recent, certainly in the past five years, I have not had it smell drive me so wild as the smell of the almonds. Oh, I love that. Yeah, no, don't eat cyanide, don't eat soap, but the almonds. Thumbs yeah. up. <laughs> uh, 57. Best candy. Oh, God damn. You know, that's a tough one because there's so many good ones. I can tell you what the candy that I most want this month is. Mm, I can only okay. say that. Which That's is fair. the Reese's Cups, the, the, the recently released limited edition Reese's Cups with the ground up potato chips in the middle, which is the only candy that I have. I have trouble stopping myself from eating. <laughs> like I have one here and it is broadcasting rays into my head, <laughs> demanding that I eat it. But there's other <laughs> candies that I love, like, for instance, Goldenberg's peanut chews, which are only available generally in like the Maryland, Pennsylvania area oh. are great. Um, also, those. Um, Pearson's salted nut rolls from Minnesota. Those are also, they're so good. Like anything, I tend to think, I guess I sort of like things with nuts in them um, with a little bit of crunchiness. But like those, those are the three things that immediately spring to mind. And they're all kind of similar, I guess, in that they got chocolate and ground up nuts in them. Yeah. 58. Worst candy. Circus peanut. Ooh. Yeah. You know those orangey marshmallow things that look like peanuts? They're repulsive. I think everybody, <laughs> most sane people agree. Yeah. That those are terrible. Yeah. Packing peanuts. Yeah. yeah. Who's he? I don't know. Uh, 59. What's a restaurant you'd recommend? I got a lot of restaurants that I recommend. This is the kind of thing that I do. I, can, I got 100 restaurants, restaurants in Portland that I recommend. But, um, but I will tell you, of all the places that I have ever been, the one I most want to go back to is Doe's Eat Place in Mississippi. And I think they also have a branch in Arkansas, or at least one. And it's a real down-home place. It's very rustic where they cook these steaks. They also have uh, Mississippi-style tamales, which are their own thing. But I don't think I've ever had a better steak. And, and it's, it's, it's a very memorable atmosphere as well. Um, that and uh, also in North Carolina, Skyline, Skylight or Skyline Inn, which also makes legendary pulled pork. Is another place that I would like to go back to. What was the name of that first place? You said Doze. Yeah, D O E. D O E. Oh, Do Doze. Yeah. Um. Question sixty. What's a food you've never eaten? Well, there's probably a lot of foods that I've never eaten. I never had a durian, which mm -hmm. are, are that fruit, that extremely unusual fruit that apparently smells awful but tastes great. I've I've considered buying a durian several times, but I've never tried it. I've never tried the surströming. That's the one thing I've never tried that I've been sent. Actually, most people send me food from all over the world. Surströming, which you may have, sounds like you know what it is, <laughs> but uh, it's a canned fermented fish 
Yes. That you can't, it's the one thing where I was like, I, I just don't want this. It smells like the guy warned me, don't open your house. You're gonna, you'll have to burn down your house because it will smell so bad. <laughs> oh um, you're supposed to open it outside under, in a bucket of water, underwater. And I was just like, this, this is going to be so gross. I'm not going to enjoy it. That's the one food that I have been sent that I did not try. The search Germain. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've, I've only heard of it because of some YouTube video of someone eating it and obviously things going awry, but yeah, uh, wow. Anything that recommends to open it underwater, you really have to take a lot of heat on that. Yeah, out, underwater and outside. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a rough, that's a rough one. Uh, 61, strangest food that you have eaten. I have had a number of game meats in the past couple of years uh, that uh, to try for my my Instagram. Uh, kangaroo, I would say ground kangaroo is the strangest mm. um, by conventional standards. But I made a burger, an Aussie burger, by following a recipe I, I found online, and it was great. And you know, Aussie burger has a, a with the works. I guess like wait, they have a different expression than with the works. With the lot, I think it's called Aussie burger with the lot, and it has all the st- all the normal toppings. That you'd put on a burger plus a fried egg and pickled beets. Pickled beets is what the, pickled beets is probably pretty common in Australia. Like instead of pickles, like that we put on burgers, they put on pickled beets. Uh, and the burger was actually terrific with all that stuff. And the kangaroo, kangaroo did not have a strong, weird, gamey taste. Uh, it, it, it it was pretty standard in terms of like a, a ground beef. Very cool. Uh, sixty-two. What's a typical day off? Usually. Well, there's two different types of day off for me. There's the the beach, which is one. That's my favorite type of day off is when I go to the beach here in Portland and I, you know, read or relax on the beach for the afternoon, uh, and I drink beer when it is when it is <laughs> when and when it's. I'm not going to say that I do anything legal. It's legal to drink beer some of the year. Other times <laughs> it's not. Maybe I don't drink it that at that time. That's always a, that's a huge amount of fun for me. Other days off, I film uh, fast food reviews. Uh, for my Instagram, and so I will go to I'll go seek out something new item at Popeyes or Taco Bell and film the review. Um, and those are my two different type of days off. Excellent. Uh, Sixty three bucket list item that you accomplished. I'm making my own toy line. I think that's the thing that's like I wanted to do. I wanted to manufacture something that actually existed in 3D. And so I have people who follow me on Twitter or are familiar with me know that I have a line of toys. Sightgag, you go to sightgags.com or check out Sightgags Inc. on Twitter or Instagram. You will see I've already made one. I'm making a whole line of them, but basically one one every year is the number of of toys that we're going to produce. And the second one, I have the prototype sitting right here. And sometime in the summer, I'm going to start selling that one. Wow. That's tremendously cool. Thank you. 64. Bucket list item you probably won't accomplish. Uh, you know, it's probably all going to be travel. It's going to be travel to exotic places mm. like, uh, you know, India, Thailand, Australia, uh, places that I would like to go. I don't know that that's going to be, it's going to happen. I want to go to all those places and I don't know that that's going to happen, but I, I would like it to. I'd also like people to give me free tickets to those places and cruise <laughs> and a cruise, as I said earlier. Come on, people. You know where to send this stuff to. Like... <laughs> Question 65, uh, dubbed by previous guests, the realest question of the bunch. Name of a friend 
you don't keep in contact with, but regret it. I'm going to say Michael Borkow. If you hear this, Michael Borkow and I were friends in college and briefly on and off in LA, and I haven't spoken to him in about 20 years. And he is a good guy. He's a friend. We had a lot of mutual friends, but honestly, I haven't seen or heard anything from him in about 20 years. So if anyone out there knows Mike Borkow, tell him I said hi. Yeah. Love that. Uh, 66. What's a game that makes you feel nostalgic? Uh, Donkey Kong. Is that a video game, Donkey Kong? Uh, and Dig Dug. Dig Dug is my favorite video game. Uh, and it's the one that I can play the longest yeah. for a quarter. And I loved it. Both Donkey Kong and that I was pretty good at back in high school. And I, uh, those two both, the sound, the sound that it makes me drop the quarter in, there's a lot of sounds and, and, and visuals that are very nostalgic. Because I used to spend a lot of time at the video arcade back in the, you know, in the 80s when there was a thing. And Battle Zone. Battle Zone. Ooh. That one you might have me stumped. I don't know if I know that one. That was from the Asteroids era from like 7980. Oh. And it, had, it was green lines. It was all lines. It was a vector game that you drove a tank around, uh, you know, a landscape and things would shoot at you. That's a very good one. Oh, it's like first person in the tank, yeah. right? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're, and you look through a little, look through a little like, you know, a, a periscope type thing. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, now you're bringing back memories. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. 67. What game have you spent the most time playing? Red Dead Redemption 2. The best Ooh. video game I've ever played. Um, I didn't want it to end. In fact, that's why I still haven't finished it. I finished like 99.87% of it and then kind of stopped because I didn't want it to end. I've <laughs> never been more entranced by a game than Red Dead Redemption 2, which totally like, you know, I, I most video games, I don't get more than a third of the way through before I lose interest. That game fucking blew me away. It's something special, like, in terms of graphics, in terms of storytelling, in terms of how lived in that world feels. It's, it's tremendous. Oh, it's about as close as you can get to, like, time travel or whatever, you know? Especially because, like, for a certain period of time, I was playing it on a big, like, a projection screen. I put it on my projection screen. Yeah. And, like, when you're riding the horse, it's, like, it's practically like you're there. It really is. Oh, unreal. Uh, 68. What's something you've built with your own hands? <laughs> uh, bookshelf. I put a lot, of, I've done a lot of Ikea shelves or mm -hmm. similar type things. I put together the bookshelf I'm looking at right now, which took about four hours, which came from some company like Wayfair or whatever. <laughs> um, I don't say that I, I haven't really constructed anything all that. I didn't construct anything from scratch. They all came from kits like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, the bookshelf, all the bookshelves in this room, all of that, every piece of furniture in this room, I look, I'm right, and right now, I assembled. Hey, look at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question 69. Best pickup line. I don't know. I haven't picked up anybody in so long. <laughs> I can't know. I cannot possibly even speculate about that. I'm sorry. That's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, question seventy: Have you ever had any good nicknames? Yes, Captain Sixpack was my nickname in high school. Ooh. That was po part partly serious and partly sarcastic. I know it because I would always I was famous for bringing a six pack of beer to the park, uh, and I guess that I get a reputation as someone who always had a six pack. <laughs> uh, so that was my nickname uh, in 
for at least a year or two in high school. That's excellent. Uh, 71. Do you believe in love at first sight? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yes. Nice. Uh, 72. What's a big turnoff of yours? I wouldn't say that it's, I don't know if it's turnoff. I don't like perfume or chemically smells. You know, Mm. like, I I don't like, I really don't like perfume, period. So that's a kind of, or any kind of chemically smell that like, you know, from laundry detergent, fabric softener, things like that, like irritate my nose. And like, I would say perfume is the thing that's intended to be attractive. That actually is always a turn off to me because I just, the smell it alar- sets off alarms in my nose. Hmm, I gotcha. Okay. Uh, 73. Do you consider yourself an artist? A little, maybe. I mean, the artist, it's, it's hard to say because art such a pretentious term. But craftsman doesn't really apply either. Um, mm. You know, and you always, there's always this divide between art, what's a craft, what's art. Like people call it the craft of screenwriting. But they also call it, some people consider that to be the art as well. But like, is a screenplay a work of art? I guess it can be, but there probably are very few that are. You know, like Chinatown mm. maybe or whatever. That like, because it, it's, it's a blueprint. A screenplay is a blueprint for something that's to be executed. It's like saying, looking at the blueprints from the Louvre and saying that's a work of art. Well, I guess it is in theory, but it's also the building is what you're, is what you're really intending. So, so I can say, but I also do a lot of other stuff that is, that is not just typing, writing. I actually, that's my least favorite part of all the stuff I do is sitting by yourself and typing. Mm. You know, I like to do create stuff like the toys and the videos and things like that. So I would say I do not consider myself an artist is the answer to your question. Okay. But I mean, maybe a few of the things I do once in a while might <laughs> might consider could be called generously be called art but i don't i wouldn't go be so pretentious as to call myself that question 74 what's something you tried to cook and failed jesus there are a lot of those i'm trying to sort <laughs> them out okay many times i have tried to cook like a pulled pork a pork roast that i wanted to end that i wanted to shred into pulled pork yeah but it came out so hard and so tight that it could not be it came out like a, a log and it couldn't be shredded or even had to be cut with a knife and and into, into slabs and it was not appealing and i threw it away so that was um i've tried to do that at least twice and given up <laughs> because I, I the technique or the recipe i'm using is just not is not working so uh, uh, that's the one that is has vexed me the most is that my attempt to create is to uh, you know cook a pork butt or boston butt of, of pork um, and I failed every time. I gotcha. Uh, question 75, dubbed the Ben Hansen after the first guest of this year's show. What's the greatest piece of art ever made? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, so tempting to go to the corny ones, but like, I don't, uh, hmm. and it's probably something that's not even like an art gallery. It's probably like a, uh an opera or something <laughs> that i would, that i haven't seen <laughs> you know like there's it, you know what i would <laughs> in terms of just being sheer mind-blowingness i would say it would be one of those things by marcel duchamp like his urinal um oh, that like yeah. that totally reset it's not a great piece of art but in terms of like resetting people's expectations for what art wasn't causing or causing a lot of trouble <laughs> having his his urinal uh that kind of thing it, you know, I pref- the Dada art would be far more 
I don't know, mind blowing in my mind. Yeah, something that kind of flipped the table on on right. you know conservative regular art. Yeah. Uh, seventy six. Have you ever had something happen to you that you would consider paranormal? No. Mm. <laughs> That's a quick one. Uh, seventy seven. Would you ever use a Ouija board? I I don't know if I would use it now. I definitely used it all the time as a kid. Like we had so many Ouija board things, which still remains somewhat uncanny to me. Like I don't know. Like I don't feel like I've ever gotten a good explanation as to what what is going on with the Ouija board. And even when I look it up, it's still like, well, you're pushing it around with your fingers, but really, but then how how do I know? Like I don't understand how it works. Yeah, uh, and and so like. I, I guess I'd say I'm superstitious about it. Like that part when the Ouija board in, in Paranormal Activity, the movie when it bursts into flame, like made me scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like I like I guess I'm superstitious and that I I don't I don't want it. I don't know what it is. I know there's something that you're pushing it with your own fingers, but I still don't know that I how how I could have known the answers to things that I otherwise wouldn't have known. You don't want to mess with that, Bill. You don't want to mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I agree. <laughs> uh, 78. Simply, why? Because you have to. <laughs> That's the answer. That's a kid that answer that you give to your child. Uh, 79. If given the chance, when would you time travel to? I guess the real question is, could I bring stuff back? That's the thing. Or would I be stuck there forever? You know, and there's a lot of different things like, could I go to, you know, <laughs> can I buy, can I go to 1959 and buy a whole bunch of like, you know, uh, baseball cards, crap, <laughs> you know, bring them back. That would be one thing. But like, if I could just, if I were just going to be like a tourist, I would like to go to like the roaring twenties. Mm. Um, that would be fun. Uh, I would like to go to the, you know, colonial era. A lot of American history type things fascinate me, but I probably want to go to like the fifties or sixties. Just if, if just as a tourist. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Uh, question 80. Have you ever made a sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it? Yes, but I didn't stick to it for forever. I stuck to it for a few years. Like I got, I, after I left the Simpsons, I lost 65 pounds and oh. there's nothing to do but eat at the, at the Simpsons. So I lost a lot of weight and I was really slim uh, for about seven years until I gradually gained it all back. But I definitely was, I definitely was, I was very slim and in pretty good shape for about seven or eight years. Wow. Bravo. Uh, 81. What game show, past or present, would you love to be a contestant on? Jeopardy. Yeah. No question. Oh, that'd be a home I probably would do, I probably would do terribly, but I feel like I could get, I've been playing it along at home for you know, for 30 years. 82. What's a quote that you love? You know, I can't think of the, I can't think of any more obscure ones. I love that one about the man in the arena by Theodore Roosevelt, um, hmm. which is basically like about, you know, how everybody, <laughs> how the guy who's actually doing this stuff, he should be the one who's respected as opposed to all the people who are out there criticizing the person doing this stuff. Uh, is the general gist of it. Um, and it's, it's, it's called the man in the arena quote, which I find uh, to be uh, fairly inspirational. 83. What's the best shirt that you own? 
the best shirt I own is not fit me anymore. It's from when I was all slim, but I tell you about it. it was, I have a couple of two, two different shirts from the designer Mew Mew and a Gucci. I, I had to have a Gucci one and a two Mew. This is back when I had a lot of money and I was slim. So I've got yeah. some really nice shirts now. They don't fit me anymore. <laughs> I have, but now I have some nice J Crew ones that are kind of similar. Um, but you know, they fit me at my larger size now. I gotcha. Ain't that the case, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 84, would you change your middle name? No, I like my name. I like that it's Lloyd. My middle name is Lloyd. That's a good uh, one. And it's named after, <laughs> because my dad is named William Lloyd Oakley Sr., and he was named after his grandfather, Lloyd Rooley, um, who uh, was the sheriff of Alfalfa County in Oklahoma back in the day. And I like that, um, you know, we got that kind of lineage going. Yeah. Uh, 85. What's a good impression you can do? Well, as I said, I can, I can do a good guy Fieri, sort of. Mm. Um, but I can also do a couple other ones. Too. <laughs> can do guy, guy Cavallero. I can use a couple ones from SCTV. Um, oh, okay. That I actually have used in various voiceover performances of, um, you know, like the guy, the character of Guy Cavallero from SCTV. Um, I can do a couple of different country music type voices. As I said, karaoke question. I think that's about it. I okay. probably have to be guy, guy Fieri. It would probably probably be the best one. Could I trouble you just for a, a couple seconds of a of a Fieri? Oh man, you know I'm going to ask people to watch to watch the video because it takes a while and also it also kind of makes my voice so makes my, my <laughs> vocal cords sore. Like, that's you know, fair. To be like, <laughs> we're cruising out. This is smart. We're cruising out looking for. We're cruising out looking for America's finest drivers, diners, drive-ins, and dive. You know, it's like that kind of thing. I hear you rolling into it. Yeah, no, it's we're rolling it's... out looking for America's greatest diners, dive-ins, and dives. I love it. I love it. Eighty-six. Is there a tattoo you wanted to get but are glad you didn't get? Yeah, there's enough. Well, I never really wanted to get a tattoo, to be honest. Uh, mm. Because I was always like, well, what if I don't like this thing anymore? You know, like, <laughs> like if I got if I got a tattoo of something that I decided that I later didn't like, um, which has happened in a number of cases. And so, like, yeah, I'm glad I, I don't feel like I want a Simpsons tattoo because, despite the fact that I had I worked on the Simpsons, I don't want it stuck on my body, and I don't like. I also have a lot of bad. I don't. There's a lot of things I don't like about this the Simpsons. Uh, so as well, so yeah. I don't want that. I don't like any of everything that I've considered having a tattoo. I never considered for even a second getting a tattoo. So I, I like, I, I thought like, well, maybe I get one that's related to the Harvard Lampoon, but now I don't like the Harvard Lampoon. So I'm glad I did, you know? Mm. I gotcha. Uh, 87. How would you describe your 16 year old self? Um, um, <laughs> obnoxious, somewhat obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, somewhat cocky, ambitious, annoying, and also like I don't I don't know what the proper word is. You know, it's like a ambitious. This uh, this is what I was describing earlier. As like I was really eager to get go where the action action is. I was tired of living in uh, somewhat of bland <laughs> surroundings with a bland uh, bland setting, bland circumstances, and I was very eager to get to like you know, where the action was. And that was part of why I was ambitious is that I was like, I want to be, you know, I want to be working for David Letterman. I want to be in New York. I want to be in LA making movies or things like that. I don't want to be here 
in Washington learning about pre-calculus. I want to do the stuff. I want to be where it, where it seems like the fun was happening. Makes sense to me. 88. What's the worst injury you've ever had? I had, I broke my shoulder. I sort of separated as this is in Malibu in Malibu, California. I was like body surfing and the waves were huge. And, um, but it was really fun. Like I was just like a boogie board type thing, Bob, you know, and body surfing. And those gigantic wave smashed me to the ocean floor and I landed on my shoulder and it went, you know, crack and it broke like the shoulder. And then they had to put it back together. And I still have a big scar. I still have a scar on my shoulder where they reassembled it. But it was good. So the thing is like George Meyer, I was like, it's a good injury to have. It sounds good. I got it from surfing in Malibu because George Meyer said that, you know, you could have slipped on some wet garbage. <laughs> you have to tell people that. <laughs> but as, this is the, as injuries go, it, it sounds cool. You can, in a few words, make it sound like you're cool. I was yeah. surfing in Malibu or body surfing in Malibu. You know, that's about as good as you can get. That's true. The wave was 20 feet high if it was a foot, I tell right. you. You kind of have the, the tail behind it. Mm-hmm. 89. What's a habit of yours you want to break? I would like to break my habit of not getting up early. Because <laughs> it's very tempting to stay in bed. And I often fall. I'm often like, oh, I can go back to sleep for a while. Especially on days like weekends or whatever. But I'm always much happier when I get up and I've like accomplished a whole huge amount of stuff by 11 a.m. As opposed to just kind of straggling out of bed at that hour. Yeah. But it's so tempting. It's just so nice to just stay in bed. But yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, question 90, getting on the home stretch here. Have you ever lied on your resume? No, but mainly because I haven't had to use a resume. Because, mm. like, you don't, in TV, you don't have a resume so much as you have, like, a like IMDB page or whatever. So, like, I haven't had, to, I didn't use a resume to get a job probably since America's Most Wanted. Yeah, just because, you know, your your growing list of, of other Jobs kind of precedes you at that point, yeah. Right, right. Uh, 91. Have you ever punched someone in the face? No, but I have wanted to many times, <laughs> but I have not, I have not actually done it. And I don't think I've actually been in any kind of school thing since probably like fourth grade. Mm. Well, hey, again, tomorrow's another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely seems to be the vogue these days to punch people in the face. You know, you got, you got your Will Smith, you got your Mike Tyson. Yeah, uh, people are punching people in the face right and left these days. So maybe I'll get on the, you know, it'll become the <laughs> thing to do. It's all their age. Ninety, uh, ninety-two. Would you ever go to a nude beach? Yes, sure. Yeah, I have nothing against it. <laughs> I have nothing against it. Also, when you go, this is the nude beach is mainly composed of people from what from what I have seen. It's people who are generally like fifty or sixty who are like fuck it, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's I'm getting to be that age now. Yeah, despite my my uh, best wishes, it is probably not just like the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders are here again. What are the odds? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not. You're not. It, there's nothing erotic ab- about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there's a lot of nudity in Portland. I should say, like, you know, like there, we have the naked bike ride with the world. Mm. I think they have it in a lot of cities. They have it like in Amsterdam and stuff. But Portland has the world naked bike ride every year, and it goes. Sometimes it goes right by my house. Oh, wow. and so you see, literally, like several thousand people on bicycles after the first two or three it's it doesn't it has no erotic component 
it's just the naked. It's like people waiting in line for their physical in the army or whatever. It's like it's it, it, and so like in me and same the nude beach is the same way. We have two, two or three nude beaches in Portland or in the vicinity, and so I've definitely been by them. I've definitely walked through them a couple times, and there's, I cannot express to you how devoid of eroticism it is. <laughs> if anything, it has more of a. It feels more like a medical. It has some sort of medical component. I, I gotcha. Yeah. 93 uh somehow not the realest question when was the last time you cried i don't know a long time ago i could oh no i would say i often get not often but it, in in, in um, emotional movies i i kind of tear up and i go like you know i don't want anybody to see me I'm, I'm a big tough guy so i don't so uh and i can't even remember what the last emotional movie i saw was but it probably was a few like four years ago at some movie that had some sort of emotional component, which I can't, I can't place right now. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, 94. What's something you've done and will probably never do again? This is a tough question because there aren't that many things that I don't want to do again. I mean, I don't want to have my sinuses operated on again, but I had that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had my sinuses operated on. And I, I would not want to have to go through that again, but it was effective. Um, <laughs> this is like, I think you're trying to think of like skydiving or something like that, where you're like, oh, <laughs> that was a disaster, never again. Uh, and I haven't fortunately had too many things like that. I don't have a good answer for this one at the moment. There's nothing right. that I don't, that I've done that I don't necessarily want to do again. Okay. Well, hey, that's a sign of a, a good life lived. Yeah. Well, I don't want to get into, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to get into Harvard again. I can say that for sure. <laughs> My grades would not support it these days. Uh, I'm not as com- I'm not as competitive as I was back in the day. Mm. 95 best compliment you ever received. Oh, I know what it was. It was when Harry Shearer said we did a good job. That was the, it was the very last day of the Simpsons. The Josh uh-huh. and I were at the Simpsons. Harry Shearer is notoriously taciturn. And, and and kind of you know grouchy, I would say, is his his mo. And it was the very last day that we worked on The Simpsons. The very last day we were directing the actors, and you know people and like Dan Castellaneta, Eric Hagenzer, they were all like, "You guys are so great working with you. You're so much fun. Your shows are so good." And then everyone else left, and like Harry was like, "You guys did a good job." <laughs> that was the only thing he said. Whoa. And we were like, "Well, there you go. That's a compliment. That is a sincere compliment, and it really means a lot coming from him because he doesn't, um, you know." that's the nicest thing you ever said to anybody <laughs> that's amazing uh 96 tell me a joke this is an oldie but a goodie okay. old guy encounters young woman at a bar young woman says i'll do anything you want for a hundred dollars and he says paint my house <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, 97. 97 used to be a question I came up with that just wasn't all that good. Uh, so I uh, took it out. I threw it right in the recycling bin. And I replaced it with the listener question of the week. And if uh, any of our wonderful listeners have a question that they want to use on a future episode of the show, 99, of course, the number 99, questionspod at gmail.com or 99questionspod on Twitter. And, uh... I'm going to cheat the system here. I got two. I couldn't decide between these two. I'm going to throw two at you here. Uh, The first of the listener questions uh, from Matthew Gowans. 
from the wonderful Lost in Narration podcast, uh, asked, he asked if you were aware of, I think you are aware of, uh, if you've enjoyed the recent Steamed Hams Renaissance. Uh, so yeah, how how does it kind of feel knowing 20 schmurf years later, after you wrote this uh, Steamed ham sketch, that it's still so incredibly prevalent uh, in the last, uh, you know, X amount of years here? You know, the amazing thing is, immediately before I appeared on this podcast, I attended a academic dissertation presentation about steamed ham. <laughs> they, a guy was a guy, it was a very serious group of academics were doing some sort of pop culture type thing. And it was a seminar sponsored by the University of Chicago. And I was on the Zoom component watching this guy give his, his dissertation about the steamed ham as me because he invited me. So. There you go. It is, I would say, here's the thing. I'm very aware of it because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to milk it yeah. as, as I want to make sure that I get my, since I didn't pay me any money, which is my eternal annoyance. That's why I have things like the Steamy Awards on my Instagram, or mm. I have the steamedhamsociety.com, which everyone should visit and join. Um, so yes, I'm using it and I'm actually just going to be, I'm, I'm developing a podcast with that name as well. So I am attempting to exploit it for my own financial gain as much as I can. However, the funny thing about it is, is nobody paid any attention to it for 20 years. Like, you know, I remember that episode was broadcast, then that was the end. And like, I didn't hear much more about it until 2017 when it became a meme, you know, yeah. and then it became the meme of the year for 2018. And so I would say I am, I feel, I, I'm very pleased. Number one, I'm very pleased that it's, that people, like it so much i'm pleased that i people know that i did it for the most part um because i would be very jealous if someone else's segment had gotten <laughs> to be so famous <laughs> um and uh i like what i'm actually waiting for is disney to somehow do something with it and not invite me which i know is going to happen mm. they're going to launch i know that disney world and the simpsons land they're going to have they're going to have the steamed hams diner or whatever yeah and i will not be invited and that will be, it will be so, it'll be very amusing to me because I predicted it years ago. <laughs> I know that eventually the corporation is going to somehow notice this and try to exploit it and I will not be invited. And it will be funny <laughs> for that reason, <laughs> but also aggravating. Oh, so the answer to the question is, yes, I'm very well aware of it. I like it. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to um, make hay while the sun shines in terms of exploiting it for my own gain. As well, you should. As well, Thank you should. Thank you. Uh, and then uh, second of the listener questions uh, from Slick Ricky. Thank you, Ricky. Uh, of the multiple episodes that were written as potential series endings, which is your favorite? And do you have any of your own ideas of how the show either should have ended or should end? I don't know, though. I have to say, all those things happened after my time. Those were all things that happened after we had left the show because I think they all happened at points when there was a contract negotiation with the actors and there was a legitimate possibility the show might end. And yeah. that was all, I was not involved in any of those. I never heard of any of those or saw any of those. Um, honestly, if it were up to me, the show would end with a very normal episode that was very emotional and was a throwback to kind of the early days uh, of these, like the shows, the episodes like, uh, you know, with the Dustin Hoffman, the You Are Lisa the Simpson type episode. Yeah. Um, or the uh, 
you know, a few of the other ones uh, that we did that were also kind of emotional, I would prefer that the show end. It would not be, let's just say, it wouldn't be one of those crazy endings like the Seinfeld ending. It would be a little bit probably not quite as hype. It would be like a Cheers ending, which was just kind of like, we're putting this thing to bed in the way that we all enjoyed. Um, I have a feeling that it would not, it wouldn't, I, I wouldn't like it if it ended with some kind of stunt. Um, yeah. That it, I think it probably should just end with reminding everybody what they loved about the show for all these years and, and kind of wrapping it up in a neat little bow. I don't, it doesn't sound very sexy, but that's, I think, what I, I would end up doing. No, I, I, I agree with you there, because I think at this point, the show means different things to different people, you know what I mean? And And trying to make everyone happy, you're not. So, yeah, why not just have a, just a nice episode that could stand on its own with the with a little I mean, honestly, if I were invited back to do it, I would say we're going to do this episode like and it's going to look like the ones from the 90s. We're going to do it. It's not going to be an HD. Oh, it's going to be in four by three. It's yeah. going to be animated. It's going to be hand colored and it's going to be, you know, I would eliminate all the technological advances that have come since uh, season eight. And I would say this, I would it would be up to me. They're up to me. Nobody would like this because they wouldn't allow it. The network would say, we can't do that. We can't broadcast in that format. We can't <laughs> animate it. We can't color it. We don't have anybody to color it by hand. But I would try to make it look and sound like an episode from season three. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Matthew, and thank you, Ricky, for your questions. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, question 98. What made you want to be who you are today? stubborn stubborn stubbornness <laughs> it's the stubborn conviction that i was right and everyone else was wrong that's the whole that's my that's why I like superintendent chalmers and that whole thing it's obviously goes to my personality in some way and that's why i like to show green acres green acres is about the one sane man surrounded by people who are dopes <laughs> and <laughs> so superintendent chalmers is very much like that too that's why i love him that's my, my favorite character he's the one sane man in springfield and he only functions by just not caring that everyone else is wrong or crazy and so that kind of stubbornness has gotten me where I am to a varying degree, which is also like, because I can't, I have a hard time dealing with stuff that I, I have a hard time putting up with a lot of phony bullshit, which is unfortunate because if I could put up with more phony bullshit, I'd be far wealthier. Um, and <laughs> I'd be able to put up with a lot more like annoying, I'd be able to just do what is necessary to get my TV show sold or work on someone else's show and just do what they want as opposed to doing what I think is better, um, which is uh, probably an annoying trait. But on the other hand, I've done okay so far <laughs> like this, but I think if I were able to suck it up and say, okay, I'm going to rewrite your Alvin and the Chipmunks movie that you didn't <laughs> even ask me to rewrite, and I would be able to make a lot more money if I were able to do stuff that I didn't like. I like that conviction. <laughs> That's why I'm not as wealthy as I should be. <laughs> I am asking for people to give me a million dollars for my children's college fund earlier in this very podcast. And a couple cruises. Throw throw yes, Bill's right. way. What's wrong with that? Uh, we're at the top of the mountain here. The titular question. Question 99. What do you want to be remembered for? It's Well, it's probably going to be steamed hands. Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, that's probably what's going to be on my tombstone, which is fine. <laughs> Everybody knows it, so I'm happy. To have, just exactly like the way Mel, Mel Blank has that's all folks on his tombstone. Mm. He embraced it. He had his he he embraced what he was known for. He didn't want to be Mel Blank, the 
accomplished fisherman or the loving father. <laughs> he wanted to be Mel Blanc. That's all folks on his tombstone. So for me, it's probably going to be some quote for Steve Camp. Now, what would I would like to be remembered for? I would like to be remembered ideally to be the guy who did Stephen Hams and then went on to great success doing this other shit <laughs> with this toy line, with this food became the America's new guy, the new Anthony Bourdain, you know, or that type of thing. Um, so that's like that would be the ideal situation. Well, I love it, and I, I, I truly wish you all the best to doing exactly that. Thank you. And uh, I wish I had more questions for you. This has been so tremendously fun, but I'm just plumb out. And legally, I can't ask any more. That's just... <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Uh, well, you probably crammed in a few extra ones around the edges anyway. Uh, you know, I cover that in the rules in the beginning, so no one bothers me. Uh, Bill, this has been tremendous. If you couldn't already tell, I'm a big fan. So this is a, a truly a, a pleasure to do this uh, with you here. Um, is there anything at all that you'd want to... A uh, plug, promote, float into the ears of our, our wonderful listeners. Uh, I'll leave the floor exclusively to you, sir. Here's what I want to say. If you have any interest in the stuff that we've been discussing, follow me on Twitter at that Bill Oakley. Okay, anytime I do something or I'm promoting something that I worked on, it will be there. If you have any interest in the food stuff that I'm talking about, follow me on Instagram. Same thing, that Bill Oakley. There's food content, funny videos, but also fairly non-funny reviews and stuff of snack foods from all around the world on my Instagram story literally every day. Um, if you want to really embrace that stuff, join the Steamed Ham Society. Steamedhamsociety.com is basically an expanded, supersized version of my Instagram with a lot of uh, perks, benefits. We have merchandise. You get discounts at participating places. And you also, we have a Discord, which is in, in blown up. It's so loaded with food talk and things and recipes and like you got to try these this brand of potato chips and crap all day long every day um it's definitely worth a shot if you're in if you're interested in that kind of stuff at all check it out i set it up front and i'll say it again the legend bill oakley everybody what a guy super generous with his time support him in all the stuff he does you might not think you want fast food reviews. You want fast food reviews. But uh, enough about that. It's last call time. Let's figure out what we learned here today. We learned that Hollywood awards should come with actual prizes. Like if you win an Emmy, you should get a cruise. And if you win a Golden Globe, maybe a $10 gift card to Panera Bread? Seems fair. We learned that Bill and those early Simpsons writers loved Mad Magazine. I actually got one right here. Let me just see what the fold-in says. Wait, it says subscribe to Steamed Ham Society on Patreon? Bill. We learned that you need a good injury story, especially if you've got a scar. We've learned that you should always open your cans of fermented fish underwater. That's its pro tip. And we learned that that Captain Sixpack, he's an odd fellow. But I must say, Steam's a good ham. I'll be rummaging through Watergate papers for the next two weeks. Till our next episode. Till then, thank you. And good night.